Well, good morning, church. Let's stand together. Why? 
everybody give a shout of praise this morning to the Lord? the Lord. We speak the name of Jesus over your life this morning in every situation that you're facing. Whatever you've come in with, he's going to meet you here this morning. Amen.
on somebody. He chased you out. When you were running wild and you were not in line and not in the presence of God, he sought you out. He left everything else to find you and to find me. He found us in our depression. He found us in our addictions. He said, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've gone through. I love you. You're worth it. You're worth it so much that I'm going to put myself on a cross and pay the price so that you don't have to. All I ask you to do is come to me. When you're worn out and you're tired and you're weary and lay your struggles at my feet. I always like to imagine when we lay our stuff, our junk at the feet of Jesus and his blood drips on it, it's washed white as snow, amen. So you're not too far off no matter what you came in with. Grace can wipe it all away this morning because he's worthy of it all. Let's sing that.
He deserves more than our one hour on Sunday. I said he deserves more than one hour on Sunday. I'm guilty of that myself. Every day when we wake up and before we put our feet on the floor, we praise the name of Jesus and we call out on the name of Jesus. God, help us through the day. We can't make it without you, that you're worthy of it all. Every conversation I have, let it be pleasing to you. Let me share Jesus with somebody today. I promise when your prayer changes like that, things will shift. Things will happen. Just one more time. Let's sing that, worthy of it all. We want to welcome you this morning to Gateway Church. Thank you for being here. Uh, we are um, so excited that you chose to, to be with us on this uh, dreary Sunday morning. Uh, if you're a guest, thank you for being with us. Uh, we don't take it lightly that you uh, decided to, to spend your Sunday morning with us. On the back of your pew, there is a uh, QR code. And on that QR code, it's a way that uh, when COVID hit, it allowed us to go paperless and uh, you can scan, take your phone's camera, scan that QR code. It will take you to what we call the, uh, the Gateway Church lobby. And uh, there you can do all kinds of things, such as if you're a regular, you can check in. If you're a guest, you can let us know that you're new. Uh, if, you are, um, uh, if you need to give a prayer request or a praise report, or uh, if you need to know more about the church, if you want to give, uh, all of those things, anything that you normally could do in the lobby uh, of a church building, you can do from that webpage. Uh, there are also boxes located at the back. If uh, you would like to worship in your tithes and offering there, please do that on your way out. We are um, looking forward to what God is doing uh, in this 2022 here at Gateway Church. Uh, we live in a world where people are constantly trying to label us. Anybody ever been labeled? Anybody ever said, well, well that person is arrogant or, or that person I I is a jerk? 
You're probably sitting there thinking, I've been called a lot worse than that. Um, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe, maybe people say, well, that person is giving or, or, or that person is loving. Uh, things that people have, have labeled you as, uh, you look at those things and, and it may or may not be who you really are. Jesus had the same problem. So many people wanted to, to label him. If you look through the Gospels, you will see that, that some people said he was a good teacher. Some people said he was a prophet. Some people said he was crazy. Some people said he was a hypocrite. All of these different things that they tried to label Jesus as. And that's the reason that on seven different occasions in the Gospel of John, Jesus attempted to tell the people around him, that's not really who I am. He attempted to tell the people around him, if you want to know about me, I'm going to tell you. And so what he did was he used seven statements that started with two simple words or three simple letters that simply started with the words, I am. Jesus was saying, if you really want to know who I am, I'm going to tell you. If you're really interested in, in knowing the real me, listen to what I have to say. And we kicked this series off on Easter Sunday when Jesus responded to Mary and Martha over the death of their brother Lazarus. Uh, they were upset because their brother Lazarus was sick and Jesus didn't come when, he thought that, when they thought that he should. And because of that, because of that illness, Lazarus died. And so in this moment, what they saw as defeat, Jesus said, this is an opportunity for me to show the people around who I am. This is an opportunity for the people around to know who sent me. And he declared to them in John chapter 11, verse 25, when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. In other words, Jesus was saying, I know what it looks like. I know that it looks bad. But Jesus said, dead things come to life when I walk into the situation. Resurrection is what he, not just what he does, but it's who he is. He said, I am the resurrection. Now, last week you came and I told you that you were all stupid. If you weren't here, let me explain. Or maybe you left and said, that pastor called me stupid. I actually didn't say, well, I, I did say you were stupid, but I am too. Because we're sheep. And sheep are, are, are they're, they're just not smart. I mean, you cannot train a sheep. And Jesus warns us that there's an enemy out there that wants to destroy us. Not only does he want to, to destroy us, he wants to destroy anything that matters to God. He wants to destroy our families. He wants to destroy marriages. He wants to destroy our children. Anything that matters to God, he wants to take out. He wants to destroy. And so the situation is, is, is we are like sheep. We are defenseless, and we are being targeted by someone who has the ability to take us out. But Jesus, in John chapter 10, verse 11, give us some assurance, and he says, listen, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. And in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is telling us, listen, if you'll stay close to me, if you'll learn to recognize and hear my voice, I will guide you. If you'll stay close to me, I'll provide for you. 
If you'll stay close to me, there'll be times that, that I need to correct you, but you'll receive that correction. And if you'll stay close to me, you won't have to worry about the enemy. I will protect you. He said, I am the good shepherd. Today, I want to look at John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus said this, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you will not have to walk in darkness. Not walking in darkness is a good thing, right? Does anybody just like to be in total darkness? Any weirdos? Good. We had a couple first service. Nobody likes complete darkness. How many people, you, you've stubbed your toe or banged your knee getting up to go to the restroom in the middle of the night? Anybody? Just wait till you're my age. That first servant had a lot more. They're older. Nobody likes darkness. I'll never forget when I was 14, uh, my family moved into a new neighborhood. Now, for me, it was pretty exciting because I, I don't know if you know it or not. I'm pretty social. And I was pretty excited because this neighborhood had kids my age. I wasn't used to that. So that was exciting. But even more exciting than that was one of the kids my age just happened to be a good-looking girl. Can I say that from here? I was 14. She lived two doors down. And it was that summer that I was introduced to the game, Kick the Can. Does anybody, anybody know? Now listen, like 75% of the first service, anybody ever played Kick the Can? Anybody ever heard of Kick the Can? Thank you. To be honest, I don't even remember how the game was played. I, I remember that it involved a, a, a can and running. I'm from southern West Virginia, so, so we had to find ways to entertain ourselves. Now, all you eastern Kentucky people are laughing, but you're in the same boat as we are. So we were playing one night, and it was right before school had started, and I had went through a growth spurt. So I, I didn't, the only shoes that I had that fit were my new school shoes. And you, you know, you can't wear your new school clothes before the first day of school, right? That was the rule when I was growing up. So I really didn't have any shoes to play in. So I thought, listen, I'm not going to miss out on this opportunity. This girl's out there. They're playing kick the can. So I decided to do something that, that I, now believe it or not, I am from southern West Virginia, but I hate going around outside barefoot. It makes me cringe. Does anybody just like to walk barefoot? I know you do. I've seen... But I decided that I was going to, to overcome my hatred and, and I was going to play this game barefoot just because I, I had a girl to win. So it was starting to get dark and we were playing kick the can. Now, if you start to visualize the story I'm getting ready to tell you, you'll not remember anything else I say this morning. So, so don't visualize this, okay? Just... Let, just let it go in one ear and out the other. But here I was, I was, I, I was running as fast as I could run, barefoot, trying to impress a girl. It was dark. 
and I didn't happen to notice, I couldn't see a tree stump where a tree had been cut down, but the stump hadn't been removed. And so here I am running barefoot, trying to get to this pinto bean can. And I hit this stump full speed. I went flying through the air. You want to talk about a way to win a girl? It didn't work. I mean, it's a moment I'll never forget. I didn't get the girl, but I did get a broken toe. And every time it rains, like right now, I feel that arthritis, man, I sound old, in my big toe. It was because of that darkness. And so from that moment on, I decided I didn't care about the girl. I wasn't going to walk or run in darkness anymore. If I went out after dark, I wanted a flashlight. I wanted to, to, to see where I was going. I wanted it to be a, a street light or, or, or a porch light. Any kind of light that I could get, I wanted. Why is that? Because just a little bit of light changes everything. A little bit of light can make scary things not so scary. And all throughout Scripture, light is contrasted with darkness. In the book of Genesis, God said, let there be light. And he separated darkness from the light. He separated day from night. If you continue to read throughout the Bible, God is called light. And our spiritual enemy, the same one that we talked about last week, he's called the prince of darkness. Once again, contrast between light and darkness, between God and Satan. In fact, in the book of Acts, God told Saul this. He said, yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And so as we look at this I am statement, where Jesus said, I want you to, to go from darkness to the light. I want you to go from, from death to life. A lot of times we're, we're guilty of looking at, at, at particular scriptures. Scriptures maybe you could put on a bumper sticker or, or on a coffee cup. But we never take it into context of where or why it was said, or the situation that caused the statement to be made. And so this morning, I want to look at the context in which Jesus proclaimed to these people, I am the light of the world. Jesus made this statement right after he'd had an encounter with a woman that some religious people had drug out into the middle of the street who had been caught in the act of adultery. And this encounter is an encounter that is filled with grace. I want to break this encounter down into to, to three different parts. I'm going to talk about the law, the love, and the light. First, let's start with the law. What does the law do? The law shows our guilt. 
It reveals our guilt. Let's read a little bit of this story in, in verse two and three. It says, early in the morning, he came to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst. So here we have a situation. Jesus is, is sitting at the temple. He's teaching all the people gathered around. And all of a sudden, some commotion starts. And the scribes and the Pharisees are, are bringing this woman who had been caught in the middle of doing something that they shouldn't have been doing. They were caught in the act of adultery. So they take this woman, they drag her out into the street in front of all of these people who have gathered around just simply to hear Jesus talk. This wasn't why they were, why, why they were there. Can you imagine the humiliation that this woman must have had in that moment? Now, just a side note here. I've always wondered, what happened to the dude? I mean, it looks like he got off scot-free. That's not the way it works, men. But they dragged this woman out in the middle of the street, probably the darkest moment of her life. Shame, humiliation. The story continues, verse four and five. They said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? So they bring this woman, throw her at the feet of Jesus, and says, we caught this woman doing something. The law of Moses tells us that she should die. What do you think we should do? They didn't really care what Jesus had to say. All they were doing was they were trying to trap him. Because if Jesus said, yes, you need to stone her, then all the people sitting around that he had been preaching love and compassion and grace to, he would lose all credibility. But if he looked at them and said, let her go, then he would be saying, hey, it's okay to commit adultery. It's okay to break the law of Moses. They were trying to, to catch him up in something. They were trying to find something to charge him with. They were trying to make him look foolish. And in that, we need to realize that the law shows our guilt. You can raise your hand if you want to. Um, well, on this first one, how many people has ever told a lie? Anybody? How many people are lying right now because you didn't raise your hand? Guilty. How many have ever taken the Lord's name in vain? How many have ever took something that wasn't yours? You know those 37 pins that you have from work? Supposed to be for work? You say, man, I love this church. Last week you told me I was stupid. Now you're calling me a lying, blasphemous thief. The point is, is we are sinners, all of us. You say, pastor, thanks for pointing that out. Why is it so important to know that? 
It's important to realize and understand that we are sinners because until we realize that we are sinners, we will never understand the need for a Savior. The law shows our guilt. The law of Moses said that this woman was guilty, that she should be put to death. The law says we are guilty. But thank God it doesn't stop with the law. Because next, Jesus was about to show how love reveals God's grace. Verse 6. This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. Now, what, was he, what he was writing, you can Google it. Google can tell you all kinds of stuff, right? There's several different thoughts of, of what he was writing. To me, I picture it like, you know, has anybody ever coached baseball? And you've got this kid, and he's playing the outfield, and, and you're wanting him to pay attention. Or maybe it's your son or daughter, and they're not paying attention, but they're out there playing in the, the sand, and you're saying, hey, 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 we're talking up here. And they're just out there building sandcastles. Some of you might have kids like that. Some of that, that may have been you growing up. That's what I picture this as. Here they are wanting to have this serious conversation with Jesus. And he just bends over and starts writing in the sand like, I'm not listening to y'all. Some people say different things about what they think he was writing. The reality is, is we really have no way of really knowing what he was writing in the sand. And that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is what was getting ready to happen. In verse 7. <coughs> and as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Now, in, in the Greek, the word here that's translated without sin actually means without even wanting to sin. Now, that's a game changer. Because we understand that the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were really good at cleaning up on the outside. They were really good at, at making it look like that they had everything and they were doing everything that they needed to do. But Jesus is saying, it's not just about that. Jesus is saying, it's, just, it's more than the outward behavior, but it's about the heart. He said, anybody who has never even wanted to sin, you throw the first stone. And in that, what Jesus is doing is he's showing these men something that they struggled with and something that we struggle with. Pastor, what is it? You know how easy it is to see other people sin and look right over ours? It's easy to point out sin in someone else. But what Jesus was saying is, listen, guys, you're as guilty as she is. You deserve the same punishment that she deserves. Continues in verse 9. 
But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. I always wonder why it said older ones. Maybe it was because they'd been alive longer and they had more sin that they'd been trying to cover up. Those of us who are older, we would probably say it's because you get smarter as you get older. And all the teens and are looking at me like, that's not true. Listen, I used to think my parents were dumb. Then I grew up, had a kid. And now I think, man, my parents were the smartest people in the world. They begin to walk away, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. So Jesus is, is writing in the stand. We don't know what he's writing. But when he stood up and he made this statement, it says they began to walk away one by one. Not one stone was thrown. And so now in this moment, this encounter, it's Jesus and the woman. And he looks up and he says, Woman, look around. Where are your accusers? And in verse 11, she responded. She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. There's someone that walked in here today. You walked in in darkness. You, you walked in with, with some shame over, uh, over what you did in the past. You've walked in with, with shame of, uh, of who they think you are. But this morning, through this story, I want you to know that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. His grace changes absolutely everything. You're not what you did. Once you begin to, to follow him, you aren't who they say you are. You're who God says you are. And because of his grace, there's no condemnation if you're following him. Listen, we all have an accuser. His name is Satan. And you can be assured that he's doing everything that he can do to hurl his insults at you. He's going to accuse you. He's going to try to make you believe that you are what you did, that you are who they say that you are. It's that voice that, that says there's no way that, that God can love you after everything that you've done. It's that voice that says he's never going to forgive you. Why would he forgive you? It's that voice that says, you minds will give up because it's over, it's done, you're not worthy, it's too late, you've messed up too many times. That's the voice of the accuser. But that's not the voice that you need to listen to. The voice that you need to listen to, the voice that you need to hear, is the voice of a loving Savior. You need to hear the voice that says, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. You need to, to hear the voice that looks at you and says, where are your accusers? I've sent them all away.
You need to hear the voice that says, neither do I condemn you because you're in me. You need to understand that darkness is always defeated by the light. Was this woman guilty? Did she deserve punishment according to the law? But because of his love, grace was revealed. Because of his love, what she deserved, she didn't get. There's so many people that walk around thinking that, that, that we don't get what we deserve. Can I tell you, I'm glad that I don't get what I deserve because I deserve death. What she deserved, she didn't get. Why? Because of God's grace. How many people have ever been pulled over for speeding? Come on, let's, let's be honest. I'll never forget the first time I was pulled over for speeding. I was coming home from, uh, from Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee. And I was almost home. And I was almost, if you're familiar with the West Virginia Turnpike, I was almost to, to flat top to the toll booth there. At this time, tolls were like, you know, 20 cents. Now they're four and a quarter. It has nothing to do with the story. But I was ready to get home. I, I, had, I, I honestly can't remember if, if she was my wife at the time or if we were just dating. I think we were just dating. Anyway, I had Christy with me, and it doesn't, it's not part of the story either. And um, two other people. And so I, I'm trying to get around this, this tractor trailer, and, and, and I'm speeding. Next thing I know, I see the blue lights. So I pull over, and he comes up, and... I, I start thinking about everything that I can say without really lying, okay? It was like, I, I was like one of those, you know, how, you know how sometimes you just want to get that close to the edge. I didn't lie, but I, I may have stretched the truth a little bit. But he bought it. And he says, I know you've come a long way and you're almost home. You know, he probably gave me some speech like, don't you know that most accidents happen within X amount of miles? Anybody ever been given that speech? I think it's true. But he let me go. Was I guilty? Absolutely. Did I deserve a ticket? You better believe it. But there was nothing like the feeling when he came back and said, just be careful. What I was guilty of, what I deserved, I didn't get, and it felt so good. The same thing's true for those who are in Christ Jesus. That officer showed me grace, the same grace that God shows us. We're guilty in the eyes of a holy God, the law reveals our guilt. But God's love reveals his grace. And so in this moment, Jesus looks down at this broken woman. This woman who is, who, who is humiliated. This woman that, that everyone around was telling her how bad she was and how guilty she was. 
She's been shamed by everyone. But one by one, he drives them all away. And he looks at her and says, where are they now? He says, neither do I condemn you. What does he say next? He doesn't say, okay, now that that you've been forgiven, go and, and try your best not to do it again. He doesn't say, well, now that, that, that you've been introduced to the light, try walking out of the darkness and walking into the light. He doesn't say, just, well, just work on trying never to do it again. And a lot of times that's the way that we read it. But what I see when I read that is when he said, go now. Go, and from this moment, from now, there's a sense of urgency there. Because he understands and he knows that in this moment that she, because she's had an encounter with him, she doesn't have to live in darkness anymore. She can immediately walk out of darkness into light. He says, go now, right now, in this moment, you can walk into the light. And that same voice that that spoke to her on that day is speaking to us. He's saying, go now, you can be free. You don't have to be locked up in darkness any longer. The loving grace of God is here. He's saying, go now, walk away. Walk out of the darkness into the light. Go now, leave your shame. Go now, walk out of that self-hatred. You don't have to live there anymore. The light of the world is here. And whenever the light shows up, all darkness has to flee. There's a sense of urgency. And somebody needs to believe today that you can be set free. Somebody needs to believe that you can be changed. Why? Because the light overwhelms the darkness, the darkness that we live in. The law shows our guilt. The love shows God's grace. And the light shows our hope. How many people are thankful that we have hope? When Jesus looks at this woman, there's a sense of urgency but he's also giving her hope. He's not saying, well, now cut it out and don't do that anymore. This next verse shows that he's encouraging her. He's saying, you don't have to live in darkness. You can be different. You don't have to hurt like you were hurting. You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to live in self-condemnation. Go now. Sin no more. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, and this is verse 12 where we started. When Jesus spoke again to the people, they were watching this in amazement. The people that had, had gathered around to hear Jesus teach, they just got an illustrated sermon. And he looked at them and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never have to walk in darkness because they will have the light of life. 
Jesus said, I don't condemn you. And in that moment, in that moment, it became personal to her. In that moment, he was no longer the light of the world, but he became the light of her world. Have you ever had somebody who you were in, in a dark place and, and they were carrying the flashlight and it was the only flashlight and they were shining it where they wanted to go, but they weren't shining it where you needed it? I'll never forget working uh, in this building. The only thing I was good at that I thought I was good at was holding the flashlight. But I was often reminded by my father-in-law, hey, 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 I need the light over here. I can't see. Or, hey, get out of the light. If I would have known then that they had those little things that they put on your head that has a little light, he could have had his own light. I could have done with my light what I wanted to. But it became so much better, and it would have been so much better when, if he were able to hold the light. Because that light would have been his personal light. And it would have made all the difference in the world. In this moment, the light became personal to her. In this moment, he was no longer just the light of the world. And that changes everything. Why? Because darkness always defeats. Because light always defeats darkness. It's undefeated. He's not just an out there somewhere light. He's not just a, a, a light for, for the person beside you or, or, or your neighbor. They can't carry the light for you. He says, I want to be your light. He wants to make it personal. And when you know and understand that, that he wants to, to, to be your personal light, you can receive the freedom from all the condemning voices of the world. The voices that, that Satan uses to tell you, you can't, you won't, you never will. All of that is silenced in the presence of God. Why? Because the light always defeats darkness. The law shows our guilt. We're guilty. His love reveals God's grace. And because of his grace, his light reveals our hope. No matter how dark your world seems right now, he's the light. He's the light that can illuminate the darkness. His grace can forgive your sins. His presence can bring healing to your shame. When the light of the world becomes the light of your world and you follow him, you'll never have to walk in darkness again. Why? Because our Savior is that good. He is the light of the world. There's some of you here today that, that you're in that predicament. You have things in your past that the, the enemy is constantly beating you up over. You have a life filled with shame and regret. And no matter how many times you hear it, it is so hard to believe, it's so hard to comprehend that, that God wouldn't condemn you for the mistakes of your past. 
But God wants you to know that what you've been told, what you've read in Scripture, what you've seen taking place, that He doesn't condemn you. You might be here today and and you may say that this verse, it doesn't apply to me because I've never made the decision to follow the light, to follow Him. And because I've never made that decision to follow Him, I'm walking in darkness. Darkness has overwhelmed my life. And you sit here today and you know that you're guilty. You sit here today and maybe your sin has been found out or maybe it's just in your heart. But nevertheless, you know that by the law, your guilt has been revealed. I have some good news today. Actually, it's it's not good news, it's great news. I usually try to finish preparing Wednesday, Thursday, and then on Saturday night, I'll always sit down and go before God and I say, if there's anything that aren't in my notes that needs to be said, something you want to show me so that I can reveal it to the people. And as I begin to look in this story and John chapter 8 where this woman had been brought to Jesus this woman that no question she was guilty of breaking the law no question that that, that she according to the law should be stoned to death and I begin to think about that moment in that moment They had drug her out, put her in the street to humiliate her, to try to trap Jesus. And to eventually follow the law and stone her. Because that's what happened. We read through the Bible, people were stoned to death. Stephen was stoned to death by the law. And I begin to think about that, that they went looking for this woman. They wanted to use her in this moment. They had bad motives. But what would have happened had she never encountered Jesus? What would have happened if they would have not been trying to to, to use her as a pawn? If she would have been found committing adultery, what would have happened? She would have been put to death. And that death would have been just because that's what the law said. But the great news for her was, was that they brought her and that they put her at the feet of Jesus, the man who had grace. And at his feet, his love revealed 
that grace. And just like the woman in the story, we're all guilty. And our enemy has brought us into the street. And people have gathered around and they're looking at at you and they're looking at me and they're saying, you're guilty. You deserve death. You deserve punishment. But that same Jesus that was standing in that street looking at the woman who was guilty is standing in front of you today. And he's saying that if you will have an encounter with me, everything will change. We've been thrown at the feet of Jesus. But Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And if you'll follow me, I'll drive away those accusers. If you'll follow me, the darkness in your life will be illuminated because I'm the light of the world. I'm going to ask you to bow your head this morning. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to, to, to come back to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I want to ask you a couple of questions. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm following after him, but, but, but man, I, I'm having a hard time believing that I can walk in the light. I'm having a hard time believing that the things in my past are actually in my past. I'm having a hard time not listening to my accusers. I'm having a hard time that, that, that when I'm labeled as something, I'm having a hard time grasping the concept that if I follow him, I will never have to walk in darkness again. Pastor, I'm, I'm trying, but sometimes the guilt is just overwhelming. Would you just slip up your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm trying, but, 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 the, but the guilt, the accusers. You may be here this morning and say, Pastor, I've never made the decision to follow him. And I've lived my life in darkness. And because of that darkness, I keep running into things. I keep messing up. I keep stubbing my toe. I keep making the same mistake over and over again because I I just can't see. I've never decided to follow him. Can I tell you that that is absolutely the best decision that you could ever make is to simply say, I wanna follow you. If you've never made that decision, would you just slip up your hand? I've never made the decision to follow after him. Thank you. He says in that moment, he said, if you'll just say,
You'll confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. If you'll say, I, I want to follow you. He says, right now. Right now. You can walk out of darkness into his marvelous light. As we stand this morning. Hands were raised all across this auditorium. You say, Pastor, why is that? Because this is how the enemy fights. This is how the enemy tries to keep you walking in darkness. He's the prince of darkness. He likes the dark. But this morning, I hope that you've found some hope. Some hope that says, I don't have to live like that. I don't have to live in my guilt. I don't have to live in darkness. I don't have to live in my shame. I can have a personal light that illuminates the darkness. This morning as we pray and before we close in song, I want you to know that that this altar is open. If you need prayer, we have a prayer team that would love to pray with you. You have something you need for us to agree with you. We would love to do that. But whatever you need, it's it's a personal thing. He wants to be your personal light. And the devil will tell you Man, that would be humiliating. That's what the woman thought when she was thrown at his feet. It's humiliating. But the moment that she followed him, she understood that there was no humiliation. That she was made whole. And that she walked out of the darkness into light. So if you've never made that decision or you're having a hard time believing that God can love you and that you don't have to walk in darkness of your past, I'm telling you this morning, He is the light of the world. As I pray, if you need prayer, you can come forward. I'm believing God that some people are going to walk out of darkness into light. Father, I come before you today. God, you see every person that's gathered here. God, you knew who was going to be here. God, you know you love us so much that you know exactly what we need to hear. Fathers, we stand in your presence and and, and, and people have have confessed that that they're having a hard time walking in the light. God, I pray this morning that you help us understand and realize that, yes, we are guilty according to the law. But God, because of your love, because you loved us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sin, because of that love, your grace has been revealed. And the only reason that we can have hope 
is because of that grace. God, this morning, as, as we come before you, God, as we, as we run to you, Father, I pray for, for all of those who raise their hand. God, that today, May the 1st, 2022, can be the start of people not walking in darkness anymore. Of people understanding that if they're following you, that they don't have to live in that darkness, but they can live in light. God, that we can understand that, 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 that whom you set free, that we're free. That we can grab a hold of the concept that if any man is in Christ, he becomes a, a, a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things become new. Father, I, I, I come against the lies of our accuser, Satan. And God, I pray that when those accusing voices come at us, God, that we understand that you can drive them all away. Because through your eyes, through your grace, we have light. We have life. Father, thank you for being the light of my world as I follow you. Can we sing this chorus? sing that through one last time I want you to, to think about something a lot of times when we mess up we're reluctant to come to the Father a lot of times when we mess up if we come to the Father it's because we've been drugged to Him but if we could ever get the revelation that it doesn't have to be that way. That we can run to Him. When you were, when you were a child or maybe you have children, and if they fall and scrape their knee, if they understand and recognize that, that, that you can help their situation, you don't have to get them and drag them 
to you. But they come running to you. Why? Because they understand and know that you love them and that you can take care of what's ailing them. And so when you're faced with situations, don't come to him reluctantly, but run to him. The song says, my heart found a surgeon. He can fix whatever it is that you're facing. Can we sing it one more time before we close? He said he'll be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We love you. Thank you for being here. I told you about the QR code on the back of your pew. If God did something in your life, the Bible says that that we're overcomers by the word of our testimony. You can scan that QR code. There's a connect card there. It will allow you to, to tell us exactly what God did for you. If you aren't tech savvy, find somebody and tell them what God did for you today. We love you. Have a great Sunday. Uh, Don't forget Life Groups. uh, They're closing out this week, and uh, we'll be starting a new semester soon. Have a great, great day.